up, what up, everybody? It is episode 121 of, yeah, 121, right? 11 squared. Um, 121 <laughs> of the SoCo Show. This is, of course, the voice of Coco Rabbit, and I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. My clunky. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh mcclunky uh if you don't know reference to uh star wars on disney plus uh changing the uh changing the greedo scene and it is now indelibly that is that's the that is the definitive version now after all the recuts and everything (laughs) mcclunky if i ever need to fucking murder someone or punch them before i do it (laughs) i'm not not even gonna lie i playing the the fallen order game uh, I've said McClunky many times as I'm attacking people. <laughs> Jeez, of course. Oh my gosh. Uh, probably some some uh, some of our show listeners have also picked up Jedi Fallen Order over this last weekend. I have it too, and holy shit, that game is fucking dope. Um, <laughs> yes. I uh, I've I, I love most Star Wars games. I've even loved the the Battlefront games um, that uh, um, I think some folks have enjoyed, but haven't been universally praised. But this Fallen Order sounds like everyone is loving it, um, yourself included, and mm-hmm. and uh, that makes me happy. I, I love when people love Star Wars, and I was always going to love it, but it was good to hear that that you were enjoying it also. Yeah, I, with between that and Mandalorian, and then we have uh, Episode Nine Nine coming up soon. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm definitely feeling the Star Wars fever right now. I've, I've been enjoying it more than I have. Uh, I've I've been inspired to maybe even go back and revisit a Star Wars movie that I don't necessarily love. Uh, in Rogue One, which is, uh, you know, I know it's it's universally known as, you know, people love this, you know, love that movie. Uh, I was bored to tears by it. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe by revisiting revisiting it on the, the Disney Plus app for for free, thanks to uh, Verizon and Cody Michael. Um, or sorry, Coco, Coco Rabbit. Um, I can go. watch it in, in uh, crystal clear HD, 4K HDR uh, right through my telephone telephone through my cell phone onto my tv and so uh yeah i might have to go back and watch that with the how much star wars love i'm feeling right now yeah that's gonna be the tits i am probably going to i don't i should start soon uh we are as of recording we're a month away um a month and a day away from the first showings of episode nine so i better start getting on i'm probably gonna try to watch all of the feature length star wars movies before that comes out so i'm gonna have to start soon um i Um, was uh i was talking to actually my dentist today and he was telling he was singing the praises of um the clone wars and star wars rebels shows mm -hmm. and uh i don't have time to take all that on but there's certainly a shitload of star wars for people out there who who need it right now which is a lot because it's still a long long four four or five weeks away and and i'm I've never been aroused for that long without release, so I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Yuck. Um, so I just thought so I thought you might say you were gonna say that you're gonna do a, a Cody's big old movie adventure for Star Wars. Um, I remember that but, segment. <laughs> yeah, that that literally ended started and ended with the Marvel movies. Yeah. What? <laughs> you were like, oh, I took on too big of an adventure. Is 26 yeah. movies. That was uh, that tap. was a lot. Now, now we have so now the only like real movie homework we have is every other week to watch one movie for for yeah. um, we missed the boat. But yeah, assigning yourself thirty movies to fucking watch over the course <laughs> of a month that that's enough to ruin any good segment. Um, 
But uh, I don't know who. Mo- Maybe if I really get onto the Star Wars thing, I can bring back the movie adventure uh, for the next month. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I hesitate anymore to give myself that much homework because yeah, it starts yeah. feeling like work, especially when you have to watch fucking Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> or you'd have to go and watch Rogue One. That'd be unfortunate. Oh, get out of here! That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a tough few weeks though. Of course, I was I was very single at that time, so it was a lot easier for me to get through all that. Um, <laughs> now I don't think my girlfriend would like it if if every night we had to watch Star Wars for the next month. <laughs> who or knows though? MCU movies. Yeah, or the MCU for that matter. So, who knows? But yeah, Star Wars fever is in full effect. Uh, lots of great Star Wars stuff out there, especially with Disney Plus releasing. The Mandalorian has been fantastic. Um, can't wait to get through that first season so we can do a, a, a TV corner because um, uh, be you and I are both really enjoying it so far. You, that'll be a that'll be a a joint corner then, right? We, it will be a we'll joint both... corner. Yeah, not, that'll be the first uh, not ever. To be confused think... with not to be confused with most of the corners in in Oregon, which which are joint corners. <laughs> okay, um, but uh... um, as I say, I don't think we've ever done a, a combined corner before. If we. I, I don't think, I don't think we have. Yeah, you Wait, guys watch well, stuff we, so much quicker yeah, now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but we'll probably have to watch this at the same time, like you talked about. If you don't watch the episode that aired two days ago, you'll get spoiled on spoiled on Twitter. So, yeah, no kidding. The Mandalorian stuff is coming fast. It, it's it feels like, and I, I've never really been a part of something like this because I wasn't really into. I've never really been into Walking Dead or Sons of Anarchy, and I wasn't into Breaking Bad when it was finishing up. Game of Thrones, like where (laughs) literally everyone is watching at the same time, or at least on the same day. I've never Mm -hmm. been a part of a show like that. And so this idea that I have to watch it right now is is new to me and kind of weird, but it's Star Wars, so I don't mind. The crazy thing about like with Game of Thrones, too, is that like they would spoil it instantly. People online would Mm -hmm. would like live tweet it. So you like if you didn't like hide certain phrases or whatever people get people would get spoiled by it if you're on twitter so like mandalorian you have at least a, a couple days i know like a lot of uh shows online and stuff would uh either give like a spoiler warning in their videos or like say i'll talk about it in a couple days or whatever but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's great and the episodes are short so you know it's not it's not too tasking to get through them at least they've been short so far so um they've been a lot of fun though i've loved them but uh, yeah. it, it has actually been kind of fun because I haven't been involved with something like you're talking about in a while, probably since like Walking Dead was in its heyday um, back in 1972. <laughs> um, but but uh, like something like this where, you know, you watch it, people talk about it right away. Like I've watched a couple of YouTube shows and and stuff like that or even on Twitter, like seeing reactions to the Mandalorian kind of so soon. I haven't been involved with something like that in quite a while either. So it's been kind of fun getting back into that, actually. Yeah, it's really exciting, and um, it helps that the Mandalorian's been really dope. So you know, it, it's easy to go go have that appointment viewing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, Mandalorian and more on future episodes. But um, we got a lot to talk about in this here episode. So uh, let's dive right in. Uh, but before we do anything else, we're gonna get some chic tweets. I call you a punk. I think Iron Sheik uh, is just letting us in uh, behind the curtain a little bit more. Uh, we're learning more and more about Iron Sheik, who his favorite football players are. We learned back on the SoCo Sports Show last week. Um, we've we've learned about who his favorite singers are, uh, Rob Thomas and and uh, whatnot. Uh, but now we're learning about uh, some of his, I guess, non-favorite foods, foods he hates. Hates. So Iron Sheik uh, simply says, 
Fuck quinoa. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's I I'm not a huge quinoa fan either. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with the sheik on this one. Have you have you enjoyed the the new hit sensation quinoa? <laughs> I I don't think I have. But I I like to imagine that like he was someone's like, here Sheik, here's some quinoa, try this. That he he put it in his mouth, instantly spit it out through the spoon, and then instantly went to Twitter and said, Fuck quinoa. And that was that was that was the entire interaction with quinoa. <laughs> I uh, I would believe that. I would absolutely believe that. So, uh, the Sheik's a big man. You don't get that way by eating quinoa. So uh, I agree with you, Sheik. Fuck quinoa. I call you a punk. Somewhere out there, there's a guy going, I'm a bodybuilder and I eat a shitload of quinoa. And I'm not a food scientist, so fuck off. <laughs> <man>. um, <laughs> uh, let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! I just uh, was talking to someone today about the the novel, speaking of Star Wars, the novelizations from the movies, from the Star Wars movies. Um, and he was telling me about all the different things that you, that are added to it when you listen to or read the novelization. You get a lot of context around certain things, uh, specifically around Rey in these last couple movies. Um, some of the things that like, the fanboys got on Twitter and hated about, or actually explained pretty thoroughly in the books. Um, so as you're revving up for Star Wars, might be something to check out with that free uh, free download for your first book. Uh, you could use it on one of the Star Wars novelizations and get ready for episode nine. Um, so that and many, many other things available there. Um, also, we have Mathis Designs. That's our good friend, Steph. Uh, if you want to check her out, head over to etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationary and graphic design needs. Cha-ching! And of course, Mike's Wood. Uh, Mike's Wood is open for business, and you can find him at etsycom slash shop slash cornfed and wed if you want to get your wood worked. McClunky. <laughs> there you go. Uh, one more ad. Let's kick it over to previously recorded Coco Rabbit uh, for our final sponsor. Uh, thanks a lot to previously recorded Coco Rabbit for reading that one for us. Uh, Anchor is the place where you can go uh, become a contributor. Also, I want to give a shout out to Mike V, Jared B, and Fuck You oh. for being yeah, uh, for being our contributors so far. Any new ones this week? That's what I was about to check. I had to, I had to double check here. Hold on one second. No more. Okay. Still the same three. So uh, you can save yourself a tequila shot for, for this evening. Ugh, I have to do this podcast sober. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. Buckle <laughs> in, folks. <laughs> uh, shout out to all our contributors and to all of our listeners, of course. It also helps out the show. Uh, just to listen and to share with your friends. So we appreciate y'all doing that. Also, uh, don't forget too, you can leave us voicemail on there and we may play your audio on the show. So check out that anchor page for all that fun stuff. Um, and that's going to be it for our sponsors this week. So we got a lot Bye. of stuff to talk about. Bye. See ya. That's it. That's all <laughs> we do is read ads. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of news stories this week and we don't have time to cover them all. So we're going to get through them rather fast in our quick hits. In the world of television, uh, 8-8 NBC renews Brooklyn Nine-Nine for another season. <laughs> I like this. Very excited for more <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I'll be there for you behind a paywall. Friends reunion special planned for HBO Max. Ooh. I I don't really get so Friends. It's not, 
So it's not going to be like a scripted one. It's just that they're getting back together to talk about it. I guess. Oh, barf. Fuck that. I yeah. don't want it. And they're doing this fucking Friendsgiving. Have you seen this? They're playing a bunch of <laughs> yeah. all the Friends Thanksgiving. Uh, fuck that. Well, that, I, that was a previous uh, quick hit. Um, it, oh, that's right. They, yeah. They're doing because they did the, the 25th anniversary. Or is it 25? I don't remember. Um, something like that where they showed like eight quintessential Fred's episodes on in the theaters and they're doing it again for Thanksgiving. Fuck that. I'm sick of friends. I'm next. And finally in TV, Patrick, your spinoff is showing Nickelodeon and Netflix partner for new shows and SpongeBob spinoff. I like this. Very excited about new SpongeBob. And in movies, uh, this will surely pay his way through college. Mark Wahlberg cast for Uncharted. Oh, (laughs) I, I, I don't have, I don't like this. Um, what's your quickie opinion on it? Yeah, he's not, that's not a great choice for Sully. Honestly, he would have been a decent choice for Nathan Drake, I think, if they went for the older version. Mm -hmm. Um, but if he's going to be Sully, I don't, he, like even Sully in Uncharted 3 when he was a younger Sully still looked like an older guy. He didn't look like Mark Wahlberg. So (laughs) it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't have a lot of respect for Wahlberg as an actor, so I, I'm not stoked on this. Uh, but I will still see the movie because of Tom Holland. Manners maketh missed releases. The Kingsman delayed to September 2020. Really? That's a. I wonder if that's good or bad. I don't know. That movie looks good. I are you more interested in that than you were the previous one? I know you didn't like the second one very much. Not really. I think it looks okay. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, in Batman casting news, Andy Serkis cast as Alfred. Uh, word is in this one is a- Alfred will be a CGI champ- chimpanzee in line with the Batman Ice Age comic run. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I love this casting. I think it's going to be great. And more importantly, we are very close to becoming the official podcast for Batman casting news. Because <laughs> we've been covering this for a while now. <laughs> And finally in movies, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4 and works at Netflix. Meanwhile, sequels to Norbit and The Clumps and work in the works at Crackle. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Eddie Murphy is uh, he's he's back for some more dollars and he's going to get it. I'm, I'll see this. I'm excited. And that is the quick hits. Ooh, there's some good quick hits this week. That was a good addition. Um, <laughs> lots of good stuff in there. I'm sure we'll be covering more of it, uh, as, as news develops, especially that SpongeBob shit, you know, uh, you can expect a TV Kona when, uh, when we get more SpongeBob stuff. So very excited about that. Um, not SpongeBob related, but we do have some television to review. Let's get into the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right, Seth. So you got two shows for us this week that I know you sped through uh, because you were really excited about both these releases. I'll let you pick which one uh, you're going to go first with, but I'm interested to see because I know there's a lot of anticipation for both these shows. Yeah, I'll start with uh, the one that's it's just a half season so far. Um, the 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 final part of the season will be the final final season will be on Netflix uh, in January. That's BoJack Horseman uh, season six part one. Um, so in this one, they kind of had a more uh, directive, uh, like uh, kind of just like everything kind of really connected in this a little bit more than past seasons. Uh, mostly BoJack kind of has like a, a through line, but kind of goes off the beaten path. And this one really stuck the, the through line through this one. The main ones, uh, so BoJack is is uh, dealing with recovering from, um, I guess, technically relapsing again. He uh, finally went to rehab and is trying to get help and and deal with life sober and stuff like that. So that's a big through line in this one. Um, 
Allison Brie's character uh, is Diane. She's kind of going through like um, f- finding out that she has depression. She's never realized she has depression before, and she's like learning that and and trying to deal with that. And it's and she feels like stubborn about taking her you know taking pills and stuff. She just won't accept she has depression. So that's kind of a big one. And then <laughs> Princess Carolyn is the cat manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, the name is just really stupid, but, uh, is the cat manager. She, she, ma- she does, she manages not cats, but she, she manages uh, celebrities. So that's how she knows Bojack. And she's dealing now with like getting back into her job, which is like crazy hectic being a manager for, you know, celebrities and stuff and like going around places, but also dealing with a kid and like spending mm. time with it and, and stuff like that. So a lot of like, again, with Bojack, it, 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 I know it always surprises you hearing the, the weird, crazy stuff that it goes over, but it, again, it goes over all that, like, really deep stuff in the form of, you know, animals talking, and it's great. I love it. Um, I'm gonna be really sad, because, you know, again, the last eight episodes or whatever next year, um, sad to see it go. I know, this. I think the next part is gonna go into, like, this controversy that Bojack might have had when he was a celebrity, so kind of like the Me Too type stuff. Mm. Um, so, so that that'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, but I'm I'm be sad to see it go. It's I, it's an amazing show. Um, but the the first half um, of season one or season six, I'm gonna go ahead and give it four point five, four point five. I don't even fucking know. Um, depression angles out of six, five. There you go. Sounds like there's plenty of depression angles on that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is one that I when it's all said and done. And I know I've 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 given a lot of shit to the show over the years, but every time you review it, it's always really good stuff. And so maybe mm-hmm. after this is all done, I may go back and uh, and try it again. But um, you know, uh, the the world is with you. It's still always crazy high on Rotten Tomatoes. Every time they put out new stuff, it's so highly regarded. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, I, I just I just love it. I mean, you don't see a lot of shows tackle the stuff they've gone over here. I mean, it's definitely not. I mean, it's. I don't know if the comedy is necessarily like your type of comedy. I mean, it's very stupid. And I mean, there are some puns, so you might like those, but um, it's just like very weird and wacky and, and, but also like sad and stuff like that. So it may not be necessarily your type of show just because it is very like sad and especially the first season, the first season's so hard to get through because they really hit you over the head with the depression stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, like there's no redeeming qualities about Bojack in the first season at all. And they kind of give you more as, as the time goes on. So like there, there's like never a happy moment in season one, <laughs> you know? So, and a lot of the humor is very dark, so it's hard to get through. And the first season wasn't reviewed super well, but since season two, it's always been a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, you know, it's, or at least 90 something, I think. So yeah, it's, it's one of the, I, I mean, I think it's hard. It's hard to say cause there's so many like good ones right uh, you know, now, but I think it's the, for me, it's the best adult cartoon. Nice. I dig it. Uh, so we can expect, say it one more time, uh, we can expect the actual final bit of Bojack Horseman in 2020? Yeah, January. I think it's like January 10th or something like that. They they actually have like at the end of the show, the last episode, it's like, you know, new episodes, January. I think it says the exact date. Nice. Well, there you go. If you're a Bojack fan, not long to wait to finish that one out. Uh, you can check out the first part of the final season right now on Netflix. Uh, Seth, another one uh, that you were looking forward to came from a came from a podcast that I know you enjoyed. So this will be an interesting one to hear how they translated from mm-hmm. uh, from just audio over to the uh, TV medium. Yep, over at Facebook Watch, you can check out the Soko Show season one. That's great. <laughs> can you fucking imagine? <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> so yeah, so Limetown 
is the name of the podcast and show. Um, the the basis of the show is that um, Jessica Biel plays Leah Haddock. She isn't. She's a pot. I think it's. I guess news. It's a news like radio company. Um, but they there. She's investigating the the disappearance of a bunch of people you know, of a bunch of people in a town called Limetown uh, that was kind of secluded and was running some sort of exper- experiments. It was a scientific community. And so they really don't give me much else. So you kind of uncover everything as the time goes. But it was like 300-some people disappear. And so Jessica Biel, she, her, her uncle was one of the people in there, and he was a high-up person, so she's trying to learn more about him. The uncle is played by the Tooch, Stan- Stanley Tucci. Um, <laughs> Tucci gang, Tucci he's gang, a, he, Tucci gang. <laughs> exactly. He's not in it a ton, actually, like... He's he's in a lot of clips that play the same scene kind of over and over again. Um, he's really only extended in just a few episodes. I mean, this is mostly Jessica Biel. I think she's like in every every uh, shot of the sh- of the show. Um, but she, you know, she's she's uncovering things as time goes on. Basically, you you know, you find out that there is at least one survivor of Limetown, and so that's really where the story kicks off. And she goes interviewing and, and things like that. Um, it is a show, though, like very, uh, very twisty and turny. There's a lot of twists and turns and crazy stuff that happens in it. Um, the thing for me, unfortunately, like kind of caused my less enjoyment is that they follow the podcast pretty well. Um, I talked about a show earlier this year, Homecoming, uh, which was based off a podcast, and they actually changed some stuff up. And so, and I actually saw the show first in that case, but if I would have listened to the podcast first, it would have changed, like they changed so much in the show that it I would have been more oh, okay, that's different, you know, like shocked by stuff. This was very close minus a couple details. And so because I knew everything that was coming, I wasn't as like, oh, but I think people, like I know one person who was watching it um, that hadn't listened to the podcast and she was kind of surprised by stuff. So I think people will be surprised by what's going on here. But it is really well acted. Um, it's It's pretty crazy at times. Like there's some brutal stuff in here. Um, especially like there's with some of the experiments and things like that. But, um, you know, so you, you might be shocked by some of the, the even gore in some of the scenes, but, um, it is a very good show. I, I, I enjoyed what I watched and I thought they, they follow the podcast pretty faithfully. Um, I'm going to give it, um, 4.2 disappearing residents out of five. Oh, 4.2. Good score. Um, yeah, that's, that's always the trick, right? Like you, you want to read the book or, or hear the podcast or, you know, see whatever beforehand, but you kind of do lose that element of, uh, you know, the plot twist, you know, like, uh, Ender's game mm-hmm. is a really good example of this where you and I both read the, read the book. And so we know what the surprises are in that. And so they don't land as well when it translates to film. So that, that's the risk that you run. But, um, you know, I, I'm always in favor of staying true to the source material. So it sounds like they did that, um, which was good. And Jessica Biel coming off a really good performance in uh, The Sinner, where you liked yeah. her. Um, how, how does this compare to, to her great performance there that you, I remember you talking very highly about a couple summers ago? Yeah, she, she's really solid in this. I, I liked her a lot. She's a good lead um, and, and played a good Leah Haddock. I thought she, minus a couple things they changed with the character uh, compared to the podcast, she did a good job um, staying true to the, the character in the podcast. So, um, yeah, I, I did like her a lot. Nice. Well, there you go. Four point, what was it? 4.3? 4.2. 4.2. 4.2. 4.2 out of five for, uh, for Leah Haddock and the, uh, the Limetown crew that's over on Facebook watch and you can just go watch and that free. For free, right? Yep. Yep. There's no, there's not even ads. It's weird. Uh, they put like a little Facebook watch logo up sometimes, but, 
um, yeah, it's free and no ads or anything. So it's pretty cool. Huh. That is dope. Maybe I'll have to check out Facebook watch, uh, Limetown and Bojack Horseman, both available to watch now. Uh, both good scores and recommend recommendations from Seth in this week's TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All righty. Uh, any, it, I know it's, those are kind of, you know, middle of the year releases, uh, kind of that streaming type stuff, but we're mid season for all the network things. So is there anything that you're, that you're close to finishing or anything coming out that we can expect a TV corner soon or will it be a bit? Um, I'm still working on some Netflix stuff. I think there's still, I mean, uh, it's still going to be a while for some of the, the shows like, uh, some of the, cause I know like good place has a shorter season, but they have a, I think they're doing a 90 minute finale in January. So like they won't even end until technically January. Um, like uh, Arrow ends in like January, I think, when they come back for the the crisis thing. Um, so there's still not much stuff ending, but yeah, Netflix. I'm I'm working on. I should maybe have a typical for next week for a TV corner. I'm not sure yet. Nice, very cool. Uh, Michael Rappaport from that show, who I really like. Uh, he was just in Portland this past weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was hoping to make yeah. it, but couldn't. But, yeah, he's um, funny. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, all right, so let's switch over from the world of TV to that of film, and we're gonna start with this week's Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All right, so we are, uh, for the second week in a row, we're gonna be actor-focused, and uh, we are gonna be running down our top films from uh, an actor you may have heard of, kind of a kind of an independent guy, uh, not a lot of people are familiar with him, uh, Tom Hanks is uh, the name of the guy, so if you've heard of him, you'll know some of these movies. Um, <laughs> and Hanks is, you'll have to remind me why we're doing Tom Hanks, he's got a movie coming out. <laughs> he does <laughs> I'm blanking 100% on the movie that Tom Hanks has coming out what the fuck is it it's a beautiful day in the oh, neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> I, I started I started to be like and the reason we're doing Tom Hanks is because and I could not come up with it but yes I am <laughs> a beautiful day in the neighborhood is coming out this Friday and uh, I'm excited I am going to go see that we've said in the past are you Yes, because are you, you going to remember it's coming out? I, well, I, I'll put a you know a reminder in my phone or something. But the the so I, I still haven't seen "Won't You Be My Neighbor" from last year, which everyone was yeah. raving about. And uh, Mr. Rogers wasn't as big a part of like my childhood growing up, so I, I didn't run to go see that. But everyone loved it, um, and you know I still. Mr. Rogers doesn't affect me in the same way as the people who really dug his show growing up, but I still love his story and that, you know, his, mm -hmm. his, his, I, I'll put in air quotes character, even though it's just the kind of guy he is. Um, but, uh, Hanks has gotten a lot of, a lot of, um, Hanks praise for his, his portrayal even early. So I, I will be going to see this. Um, I plan to this weekend, even though I forgot <laughs> that it was coming out. I, uh, <laughs> I started, I, I literally started to say bridge of spies. <laughs> <laughs> like, we came out years ago. <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, yeah, I, I was uh, uh, when I was in, in the theater uh, before one of the movies I saw this week. They showed a trailer for uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and like they they show on the trailer like kind of like a uh, what it what it looked like on screen when Mister Rogers came out, but it's Tom Hanks doing it, so it looked like you know the old show from like the 70s or whatever but it was it was tom hanks and i'm like motherfucker that's like perfect <laughs> the way the way he talks his cadence everything i'm like jesus christ yeah that's so he's, crazy he's that dude's a really fucking good actor uh yeah. as is about to be evidenced by 
our top five movies. I had a really hard time narrowing down to just five here. And, um, you know, like we're going to get into it, but like this guy, as much as any actor has so many, like not even really good movies, but incredible movies. So mm-hmm. this is going to be, these are going to be lists of awesome films. Cause Tom Hanks has had a great career. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm stoked and I have a lot of honorable mentions too. So we better, we better go ahead and dive in. Number five. Number five, I don't know if you saw this movie. I think you, I, I would bet you did, but it's uh, extremely loud and incredibly close. You know what? I did not. Um, Ooh, that one's, it's based that around one's aftermath of 9-11? Uh, kind of. It, yes and no. I mean, it's like, the, so the, this kid, um, his dad was in the towers and died. And so he finds something, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically it leads him on this like chase where he there's like clues left from his dad type of thing and mm. Tom Hanks is his dad and it's been a while since I've seen it um but I remember I do remember enjoying it quite a bit um but I the, I mean Tom Hanks isn't in this one a ton because it's like flashbacks and stuff um but I just remember him being like that this is one where like I felt like oh man he's like he's kind of like America's dad type of, like he played the perfect dad here and like I just love I loved the the relationship with him and the kid and like the, just his his dadly nature like if i felt it <laughs> like mm-hmm. tom hanks is america's dad so um th- i i i remember i do remember specifically though just like remembering that that relationship and and uh it's kind of fun, kind of a fun like i said treasure hunt type movie too so um yeah great movie though i did enjoy it i dig it uh extremely loud and incredibly close uh i have one at five that i know y- you didn't like this movie as much as i did came out just a couple of years ago but i was thinking about like where I really like Tom Hanks. Um, so this might be more for his performance than the movie as a whole, but I did really enjoy The Post, um, mm. which was, was that a, was that an 18 release or a 17? I don't know. I want to say it was a 17, because I think I was still living in Cedar Rapids when I went to it. But anyway, um, The Post is, uh, you know, set at, at the Washington Post. They're uncovering um, some details around Vietnam. Uh, one of those kind of... Um, I would like an espionage thriller, but with uh, the press and Hanks here, this is like full grown adult Hanks. Uh, and he's the mm-hmm. old guy here and he's got all the gravitas in the world. And, uh, he, he affects a nice, uh, little East coast accent here. And, um, he just kind of embodies that character of like, I'm the fucking guy in charge. And, um, you know, of course Meryl Streep is actually in charge, but he's giving the advice and he's, you know, he's warm as anything you've seen him in, but he's also got some authority here. And I really, I liked the post. I think it doesn't do, it doesn't do a lot. Um, it doesn't do much. that's like flashy at all. Uh, it doesn't, I, I don't think any part of it really would blow you away, but like the baseline from this movie is elevated from most movies. Like the acting is above par, the, the cinematography, the writing, um, the plot of this movie being a true story is above par. So it's just like, it, it never does anything. It never throws an 80 yard touchdown pass, but it averages five yards of carry. That that's like, that's like in sports terms, what I thought of the post. So, um, I really dug it. And it's it, when I finally like put down a bunch of my Hanks movies and possibly some of this is recency bias. Cause there's some honorable mentions that are really great movies, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, so, uh, the post I've seen recently enough though that, and I still remember it fondly. So I have it at, at five here. Yeah, I like that movie. It was fine. Mm. <laughs> number four. My number four. I don't know if this will be on your list or not. Big? I don't have Big. It, it, this is one. Uh, big is one I I haven't seen since I was a kid, so I you know yeah. I don't remember anything about it. 
Yeah, I, I same way. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do remember. Um, I mean, he he plays. I mean, even like you talk you talk about a recent movie like Shazam. Like a lot of Shazam was inspired by Big. Totally. Um, with the the kid, you know, the the kid in an adult's body type thing, and he, you know, he does he does a perfect job at that. Um, I think the you know the the embodiment of this movie is the the scene um, at the toy store on the piano. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's a scene that'll probably go down as like one of the most remembered scenes in movies. And um, you know that the whole movie just has that that feeling of of you know being a kid. You know and 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 seeing that through like an adult adult's eyes that type of thing. But um, I remember this one just watching this with my my mom a lot. And then this this movie will always stick out in my head of remembering that for that. So. I do love his performance, and, and I love this movie in general. It's a good movie. I dig it. Yeah, that's getting back into into some young Hanks, um, <laughs> which uh, is where I'm going to go in uh, my number four. So uh, another one, I think this one might have been from the late 80s or early 90s. I'm not sure, but uh, A League of Their Own is mm, my number yeah. four. And this is like, you know, my last one was like, real, it was like stoic uh, leader, gravitas Hanks. This is like manic yelling Hanks which we didn't see a lot of after the early 90s. And um, obviously a fantastic cast of women in here. I know like Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and Gina Davis are in this. And um, it's a great baseball movie, like even for boys to watch. Like I remember thinking that as a kid, I was like, "Ah, girls don't play baseball. But then this is just a really good baseball (laughs) movie. And, uh, you know, there's the no crying in baseball thing that every kid my age had screamed at them forever. Um, and yeah, Hanks, the, again, this is the range of Hanks, right? He's getting into manic yelling Hanks here. And, um, League of Their Own is one that I, I very occasionally will go back to every, every handful of years and it, it holds up and is dope. And, uh, yeah, it, it, well, it just makes you feel really good, especially if you love baseball. This is a good one. Baseball. Number three. Uh, number three for me might be, might be a can kick, uh, Castaway. I have it also at three. So okay, perfectly cool. placed. Well, all right, perfect. Um, yeah, I mean this this is probably I don't I don't know I'd probably say his best acting performance. It's I certainly would, up I mean, there. In, in terms of just like where he he kind of has to go, you know, someone deserted on an island. You know, I think it's it it's a it's a tough place that he has to go. You know, emotionally, he's I don't know. I I, I think it's probably the toughest challenge he's had in an act as an actor, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime you're on the screen by yourself for you know. 85, 90% of the movie, uh, that's going to be difficult. This, this one, like you're right. Uh, Hanks is incredible in this and he carries it for sure. But this entire movie is so well done from like the score, um, the action scenes with the, uh, the plane crash, um, you know, the, the small part that the other actors do play in this is all super well done. (laughs) The cinematography here is incredible. Um, but Hanks is, is the heart and soul of this movie. And he is so, so, so fucking good in this that, um, it's that's an all-time performance for sure, and he did the weight gain thing and weight gain and loss um, to do the different parts of this movie. And cast, you're watching one guy dick around on an island for two hours, um, but all of that, like, all of that, kind of all that part you have to kind of slog through, and it's still very entertaining. But it's you know it's a guy building the hut and a guy building the fire. But like w- because they show you all the shitty detail of what he's got to do when he does build a fire. And when he, you know, at the end of this movie, um, it's such a euphoric fucking feeling. Cause you feel like you've been drugged through so much of the shit with him. Um, mm-hmm. this was, it, this is, this is, uh, you know, very close to perfect movie. Like Castaway is incredible. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And he's incredible in it. You, 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 uh, described it better than I did. Good job. <laughs> Number two. 
This will probably be a, a can kick, I would bet. Uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, we're going to kick that one for sure. Um, okay. My number two is going to, and, and as I say it, I just gush so hard over Castaway. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe Castaway is a 2B and this is a 2A. Uh, this is one I, I know you haven't seen, but I want you to soon. Uh, catch me if you can. Yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, so this one, uh, really great Hank's performance, but the, the reason it, it's higher on my list is because it's also an incredible Leonardo DiCaprio performance. Um, and it's a, a Spielberg movie. So this has everything you could fucking want in a movie. So this is, Leo is a uh, essentially a con artist based on true, based on a real guy. He's a con artist and he's he's running around the country doing different con stuff and none of it's dangerous there's not like guns it's not dangerous stuff but um you know he's ripping off people for money and all sorts of stuff like that and uh hanks is the guy chasing him i think from the fbi and Mm -hmm. this is this is the midpoint between grown-up stoic hanks and manic hanks because he's got some of both in this movie he's a seasoned officer but he also gets really frustrated with trying to catch him and his interactions with DiCaprio in this, you're seeing like legendary fucking dialogue between these guys. And, um, Hanks, it's weird because your protagonist is Leo in this. And so you want him to not be caught by Hanks, but he, Hanks is such a good guy. Like he, he's like ultimate good, lawful good or whatever. Um, that archetype that you, you want him to catch him also. So it's a weird thing where you're rooting for both characters. Um, and he's great in that he's better in Castaway, but I like catch me if you can more, it's a more fun movie to watch. Um, and just, just crazy entertaining, uh, less, less emotionally sledgehammery, uh, than some of the other stuff, but, <laughs> but a, just a blast of a watch. Uh, so that, that's why it's my number two. Sounds fun. It's a blast. Yeah. It's going to go on your list soon. Don't worry. Uh oh. Number one. Uh number one, probably no surprise, Toy Story. Mm. Um Woody. Woody. <laughs> oh, Woody. Um that's a sound clip. Um so uh yeah. <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> Sorry. Got lost in that that uh, me saying Woody three times. Um yeah, I mean he's he's Woody and he's the voice of my childhood. And you know, he's he's when I hear Tom Hanks' voice, I think of Woody. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I'm I, this. This is this is off the rails here. I I can't I can't explain this any better than that. He's he's the voice of my childhood. Great voice actor. Uh, I love Woody in Toy Story. <laughs> if you if you don't learn anything else, it's that Seth loves Woody. I um, love Woody. And again, you talk about Manic Hanks. He's screaming his head off in that fucking movie most of the time. The first right. one, at least. So. That's really fun. I I often forget that that's Tom Hanks and, and uh, Tim Allen in those roles because they there's mm-hmm. they're so singular in those that you almost forget that there's a you know a guy talking in the booth doing all that stuff. So Toy Story is a good one. I I assumed it would be on your list. Uh, not surprised to see it number five, number one. Uh, you will also not be surprised by my number one, Forrest Gump, which for a very long time I would have told you is my favorite movie ever made. Um, depending on my mood, I I would still even say that. Um, there's my, my mother is famous for her review of Forrest Gump. Um, (laughs) It runs you through the whole gamut of emotions. And my mom always says, I I laugh, I cry, I get mad. And it, you get to do every little thing in this movie. Um, it's (laughs) Forrest Gump is, is, um, really, really, really fucking good. Um, I think this is Zemeckis and he's, he's doing his Zemeckis stuff. Forrest Gump, uh, Mm -hmm. or Tom Hanks, 
is doing well here because he's going and you know when you play a character and we talked about this not long ago when you play a character with a mental disability you have to be really careful to not make it seem over the top and and like you're you're making fun of it and mm-hmm. tom hanks really walks that line here and he's able to be really endearing in his character while still you know he shows that you know he's he doesn't operate like everyone else does so the scale of this movie over time and through history is really fun this is just a blast of a movie and my favorite forrest gump fact is that it won best picture uh in 1994 uh well in 1995 for the year 1994 and it was up against the shawshank redemption and pulp fiction and forrest <laughs> gump won uh, so one of the best movie years ever and forrest gump was uh, best picture so i think it's deserving of my top spot so we got number ones, uh, Forrest Gump and Toy Story. Fan, fans of ours and friends of ours will not be surprised by either of our picks. Uh, but Hanks has such a long um, Woody that now um, filmography that uh, there's a lot of honorable mentions here. So I, I've got a couple here. So you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. I also had from from really early Hanks um, Turner and Hooch. You ever seen that one where he's got the dog as his <laughs> cop partner? No. That I loved that movie growing up. It was really fun. I mean, it's for kids, kind of. Uh, it's probably PG, but um, funny dog stuff going on in that one. And then The Money Pit is another really early one of his. Funny dog stuff. <laughs> uh, the Money Pit, him and his wife buy a house, and it's just that. It's a money pit. So everything keeps breaking about it, and um, they keep having to get fixed, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And it's really entertaining because he gets so frustrated um, through the through the time of it. But Money Pit's a good one. Sounds like a romp. It was a romp. Those are like TBS favorites that I watched growing up. Uh, that Thing You Do is another one. I, I was very, very close to sneaking this in my top five. It's probably like a 5B right behind the post. Have you seen That Thing You Do? I have not. Okay. Well, that's going on your list too. It's, it's a... Oh, Hanks is an agent in this movie where it's these kids that start a band and they like accidentally get crazy famous off like one song and so it's about their sort of rise to stardom uh folks who have seen almost famous it's kind of similar to that where it's some young kids kind of getting into the rock music scene and uh hanks is their manager and uh, that's just a really fun good movie all around like everyone loves it um and then i had to also honorable mention um one one of our uh one of our famous date movies larry crown (laughs) (laughs) This is Hell one, yeah. no one remembers Larry Crown except for you and I. Um, yep. It's Hanks going back to community college and um, his, you know, his goings on there. And you and I went, not realizing that it was apparently a date. You and I were the only not heterosexual couple <laughs> in this movie theater. Uh, very yep. entertaining. Uh, and I remember enjoying the movie. It was just a cute, yeah. nice movie. Yeah, it was fine. What else did I miss? Do you have any honorable mentions? I don't think I don't I don't think I do. Uh, I think you got them all. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot. I mean, hey, the the more recent stuff like Sully and Bridge of Spies, um, I haven't seen those couple movies. So a lot of his like old Hank stuff, I've I've not gotten to yet. So uh, maybe this will be my my prompt to go uh, go catch some of those things that I missed. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I got too much Star Wars to watch. Um, yeah. That is it for our Tom Hanks list. Let us know what your favorites were. Hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook at SoCo Show Pod. And MySpace. let us know what uh, MySpace as well. Let us know what your Friendster. opinions were of this movie or of this list. 
Uh, let us know why Forrest Gump is the true answer over Toy Story. Uh, or TikTok. even if even if you think that uh, Turner and Hooch is number one, let us know about that too. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail on Anchor and uh, tell us what you thought of our list. Tell us what your top five is. Maybe we'll play it on a future show. Snapchat. <laughs> there you go. Everywhere. Um, we're going <laughs> to keep things rolling. We're going to get away from Tom Hanks for now, uh, but we're going to keep it in the realm of movies. Let's do this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, making the quota. Seth has found a quote from a film. I need to guess the film and who said it. And, uh, Seth, what do you got? What do you got for us this week? I bet it's a toughie. Uh, it, it is, actually. Um, but question for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you said you want to keep things rolling. Um, can you, for <laughs> when you want to do a trans- transition and you don't know what to do can you get uh one that, that's limp biscuit rolling 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 <laughs> uh i absolutely will and right. uh yeah that's gonna that reminds me of a fun a fun short story um i uh, a couple of years back fo- uh, listeners of the show will, will might remember this uh, i got to work on a film set for a couple of weeks in la uh, with our friend Lindsay, and um part of my job was when the when the film is rolling and when sound specifically when sound is rolling um everyone on set has to be really quiet so when they notify us that sound is rolling part of my job was to repeat that to everyone and go rolling rolling to everyone who was near me so they knew that sound was on and uh the group of us whose job that was near the end of it we all had a jam session to limp biscuits rolling uh where we all did the (laughs) dance and everything so that was that was a fun thing so if you ever work on a film set uh make sure you take a boom box and play some limp biscuit I'm sorry that my suggestion for a a sound clip turned into a story. <laughs> Don't be sorry. People love my stories. <laughs> okay. You got, right. a, you got a quote, hopefully not from a Limp Bizkit song? It's not from a Limp Bizkit song. It's from a 98 Degree song. Oh. Um, all right. I'm not afraid of death. I'm an old physicist. I'm afraid of time. Ooh. That's a really good quote. I think I know it immediately. Um, I'm pretty sure this is Michael Caine in Interstellar. Yeah. Okay. So it it is uh, it is Michael Caine. God damn it! I love Interstellar, man. That movie is so fucking awesome, and it's got a lot of those philosophical quotes like that, and that's why I remember that one so well because I was like, mm-hmm. damn, that's deep. Um, so that's why I dig that one. A tough one for most, but uh, but not for you, boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I made quick work of it this time, which uh, fans of our show who are not fans of listening to me go, hmm, uh, hmm, for two minutes at a time uh, will be glad (laughs) that I got this one more quickly. So uh, that was a good one. Michael Caine in Interstellar was the subject of this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote... All right, so we are keeping it in movies, and uh, we're going to talk about talk about one headline in particular that came across this weekend. So let's uh, let's jump into it. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Hashtag release the Snyder cut was back trending on Twitter this week. Uh, this, of course, in reference to Justice League, which, uh, if you don't remember. Uh, Zack Snyder 
was originally directing Justice League and then had to step away. Um, I believe he had some um, some family issues during during filming, and so they had uh, was it Joss Whedon come in and finish it? Yep. Yeah. So Whedon came in and finished it. The movie was very poorly reviewed, and a lot of fans were calling for uh, the Zack Snyder cut because they know some changes were made when Joss Whedon came in. So this has been going on for a couple of years. Uh, DC fans have been clamoring for it for a long time. The reason it's in the news this week is over the weekend, all of the stars from Justice League joined in and and hashtagged release the Snyder Cut. And so Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck and um, the other people that were in it <laughs> all hashtag and around the same time on the same day, all tweeted and Instagrammed hashtag release the Snyder Cut. So this, of course, has ramped up uh, rumors and excitement and more calls for the release of the Snyder Cut. And, okay, there, there's a lot around this, and we'll widen the scope beyond Justice League in just a second, Seth, but I ask you this first. Do you care to see the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Not one bit. <laughs> I thought not. I don't see... I don't see... That movie was, was so aggressively bad, I don't see how there's a... There are some movies where you leave and you go, you know, there's a good movie in there somewhere. This was not one of right. them. This wasn't one of them at all. I, I'm not, and I don't, I don't know if I would go if they did release it. That, that's, <laughs> so I don't care too much about it. Well, and, and what probably is going to happen is it's going to get released on the HBO Max thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think it'll be in the theater, but uh, yeah, like that's the thing I don't get. Like, do you really think it's going to be that much better <laughs> with Zack Snyder's interpretation? Like, why is everyone so upset about this? Yeah. It just it perplexes me because, yeah, like you said, I don't see a great movie. Like, I don't see what's going to be so drastically different. Um, you know, he directed Batman versus Superman. That movie wasn't good. Hmm. I mean. Um, Shit, you know I, what? That was actually a movie where I thought, there's probably a good movie here in a different edit. And that's the one he edited. <laughs> Well, and then they did, because they released the Snyder Cut of that, too. Like, that was the one that was, like, three and a half hours long or whatever. Yeah, and it wasn't any and better. No, <laughs> it was just longer. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. it. I just don't understand. Like, that's the thing that's really that, that boggles me more than anything else is, like, why do you guys care so much? I don't understand how you think there's going to be a good movie in there. Yeah, I, I really don't see it. Um, but the, the involvement of the stars of it, to me, says, okay, they're going to try to squeeze a couple pennies out of this thing by releasing it. Um, and it's one thing to put it on HBO Max, uh, where you know only only actual fans who paid for that will want to go see it. So put it, putting it behind a price wall, I guess, is fine with me, um, rather than a, a theatrical release. But it seems like, a, it seems like a cash grab, which, you know, I can be fine with, um, you know, so, so for Justice League, it's maybe not something that you and I are going to gravitate towards, but... Seth, we've been seeing more. We've this has always been the case. There's always been director's cuts and recuts and redux and all this stuff, <laughs> and it's it's an interesting thing to kind of think about because you know, for me, Star Wars is the main one where there are multiple cuts. There's not really any one that everyone agrees is is McClunky. the cut. Yeah, now we got the McClunky cut, and <laughs> uh, and I. I I want to know uh, what your thought is on this because you obviously have a chance when you're making a movie to, uh, you know, you do the theatrical cut of a movie. That's the movie everyone sees, at least at first blush. And then you come back and you do maybe a director's cut or an extended version. 
Um, I understand the purposes of that for cash grab, but have there ever, has there ever been a case for you where you've seen like a second cut of a movie and you've enjoyed it more or it's added a lot for you? Mm, yes, I really enjoyed the director's cut of Blade Runner. It oh. was much better than... <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one example. And Blade Runner is one where there's like five different cuts and they have major differences. Like yeah. in, one, in one of them... Uh, in the theatrical cut, I think there's there's um, narration by Harrison Ford the whole time. Yep. And then yep. in one cut, they don't have any of it. So that's one where there was major differences. But that's not super. Yeah. Common. The, well, no. And and the biggest one is that in the in the uh, director's cut, they cut in some shots. Like there's a shot of a unicorn or something that implies that um, Harrison Ford is a replicant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in the in the theat- in the theatrical cut. They, they there's not that like there's never an indication that he's ever a replicant so he's a human in that yeah see and that's so, a big that's a big plot difference and that's what they follow in blade runner 2049 or whatever the fuck that movie was <laughs> um and and so in that movie and in, in the sequel he's still a, a human because the guy followed the theatrical cut and so like there's there's confusion with people on like what is going on in the second movie for sure yeah. so it's it like i don't know i think I, I get that there's some circumstances where um directors don't get the cut they want based off the feedback of the the studio but like i to me it's like if you if you want the best movie out there then put the best movie out there mm-hmm. you know it's like if the, the one you the one you knew people were going to see the most you put out there if you think it's bad then don't then just don't do it you know like put like stick to your gun somehow like make a good movie out of it i think the one the one thing that i could see tell me your thoughts on this so okay the director's cut right because we know that the studios get involved here uh with certain movies and you know they want certain things added especially now in this world of extended universes so if i if i if you know even a movie that you already like and if it's from a director that you like would you go back and watch something uh i'm struggling to come up with an example but uh, if it's a movie and a director that you already like but now you know the director was in full control of the edit is that something that's attractive to you or do you just say i liked the theatrical i'll stick with that yeah i mean if that's what i see originally is the theatrical cut then that's that's what I'm going to stick with. I guess. you know, like that, that's why like, I never spend time with like deleted scenes or anything with, with movies because like it didn't happen. It's not, it's not what was released. So why do I care? You mm-hmm. know, like, um, like there's this whole thing coming up with, um, uh, end game where, uh, they're going to possibly cut in Tony visiting his daughter in the soul world mm-hmm. after he snaps, um, with Catherine Langford, uh, was cast for and wasn't in the actual movie. And but there's a deleted scene somewhere out there. They didn't even put that on the DVD, but they they might put it on the Disney Plus version at some point or something. Um, like that to me, like that doesn't happen. That didn't happen. You know, like that wasn't what was released in the theater. That's what wasn't on my DVD when I bought it. Um, that didn't happen. So like that's kind of like if the the original version I see, that's that's the movie. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what was put out there. That to me, this movie. So I don't really care about director's cuts or deleted scenes or like edit, added extra footage in like Homecoming or Far From Home or whatever. Like that, I think to me is stupid. Yeah. See, the thing with with Homecoming and with Endgame, they did both of these over the summer where they put in like an extra scene or two, and and called it a new cut, and and put it out and that seemed like blatant cash grab and annoying bullshit to me like i really hated that um because it seemed uncool for them to do 
Um, but I, I don't, I don't like it any less than I like a new cut that completely alters the plot, uh, a la Blade Runner, because now we have all these people arguing over what the true plot of Blade Runner is and it doesn't help anybody. So I'm with you on this. I, I'm not really a huge fan of extra footage. Um, I occasionally watch some, if it's a movie I really like and I just want a few more seconds of it, then, you know, I'll maybe go watch a deleted scene uh, or like the featurettes. I watched all the featurettes uh, and deleted scenes for Booksmart. Um, some, of them, <laughs> some of them are pretty good. Um, but you're right. The, to me, the theatrical version is the definitive version of something. And, you know, you you had a chance to to change it and you decided not to, you know, so I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of this, especially, and there's, there's a big, um, a big example of this that I really hate. And that's Star Wars, the, the updated graphics, uh, in Star Wars. So they re-released the, in the late nineties, I think it was the original trilogy with updated CG and like added bullshit. And that's when they changed whether or not Han or Greedo shot first, the first time. And mm-hmm. that all seemed really dumb to me. I, I think that you you keep a movie in its time, uh, let it exist where it is, and if they want to remake it, remake it. But this whole thing where they're like digitally redoing shit in a movie that already exists only annoyed me, and I didn't think it was good. And now you can't even find the theatrical release of any of the Star Wars movies anymore. It, it's It's just, it's the 97 cut, and then it's the Lucas cut, and then it's the... Uh, re-released box set from 2004 or whatever the fuck. There's a ton of different <laughs> cuts of Star Wars and no one, there's probably in some corner of the world, there's a definitive one that everyone agrees on. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think adding those extra little things to an existing movie helps. I, I've never seen an example where I was like, oh, I was really glad they added this to the director's cut. It seems it seems like it that stuff exists in a space that is a little more film geek than you and I <laughs> venture into <laughs> as film geeky as we can be. If they if they release today a the the Christopher Nolan director's cut of The Dark Knight, would you would you at least go watch it? Maybe, I don't know. Like I don't know. It doesn't doesn't really interest me at all. Yeah, I mean The Dark Knight is is perfect anyway. So I don't know yeah. that it needs to be recut. But I would be interested to see like more of. I think where where I could see this being different is like, okay, if, and there's no world where this ever happens, but, you know, it's interesting to me. Like, if they, if there were different versions that were prior to the theatrical release, like, if I could say, okay, here's a theatrical release, this is the movie, but for the purposes of the DVD or something, here are a couple versions we looked at before we decided on the theatrical release, which are in no way what actually happens if you're considering canon or whatever, but here are the steps we went through, or here are a couple of the plots we had ahead of time. I don't know if it makes sense to watch that as an entire cut of a movie, but I would way rather see, you know, the 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 drafts that led up to the theatrical than when they're trying to adjust the theatrical afterwards. And again, there's no way that ever is going to happen, I don't think. But I'd be more interested in that because I'm more interested in the process than in trying to fix it afterwards. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just, for me, that the movie's the movie. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all that all it is for me. So, uh, you know, hearing people especially talk about the Snyder Cut thing, I think is <laughs> is uh, pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm going to agree. One of the most self-indulgent directors of all time. I don't need to see him add a bunch of slow-mo Wonder Woman ass shots <laughs> to a movie that already had too many of them. So. That was Joss Whedon's decision. Oh, okay. So Joss Whedon's the pervert. Okay. Yes. Um, 
So hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Uh, I imagine there release are some. Release the Snyder Cut. We we gotta see we gotta see the Snyder. I. I... <laughs> Uh, we may have some listeners out there wanting to see this. If you're one of them, uh, hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Let us know why you want to see the Snyder Cut. And uh, if you're willing to get HBO Max to see it, because that may be the case. Uh, but Seth and I will not be watching any more Justice League because that movie was butt and we don't think it's fixable. So um, that's, it for, that's it for that chapter. Uh, let's, let's move away from Justice League and hopefully into a movie that is better. Uh, we're going to get into an edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. All right, so Seth and I have been trading back and forth, assigning each other films that neither of us has seen, but the other highly recommends. And uh, we go every other week on this, and this is a Seth week. I, I, re- I reviewed Tully last week, uh, so Seth had his list of five films to work from, and I'm incredibly excited to hear uh, hear what you picked, and hopefully to hear that it's better than Justice League. <laughs> It is not. No, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, this week I watched uh, Nightcrawler, Ooh, uh, which okay. it, it is the uh, movie about uh, the blue animal guy who uh, can crawl on walls and disappear. <laughs> um, he uh, he's run, but he's uh, part of a team called the X Men. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Nightcrawler, Jake Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, plays a, a fucking weird dude <laughs> who he. Uh, yeah, he like so he's he's basically kind of in a way a con man, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, and uh, he stumbles upon a profession that is uh, pretty gross, where he goes to crime scenes and police like accidents and things like that, and uh, records them to uh, sell them to news stations. And uh, yeah, it's pretty that movie's pretty messed up. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's uh, kind of you know the the Jake Gyllenhaal is like a like I said really kind of a creepy dude, just very. I don't like. I don't really know how to describe him. It's 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 not. It's he never blinks for one. So like he blinks like maybe five times in this movie total. And so like what what he does with his eyes in this movie are fucking weird. It's I mean it's it's this is a if I would have seen this when it came out like I would have been way more impressed at the time just because I think I've seen Jake Gyllenhaal do some performances like this since. Mm-hmm. But I think this was kind of like the first. Like whoa, shit! Like, like, look where this guy can go. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Um, the the lengths that this character goes to, uh, you know, further himself are are pretty insane in this. Um, but yeah, just a very like manic, uh, maybe not manic even. Like he's very, he's, he's calm, calm and in control. He's just so intense. I think yeah. is the thing about him. And like when he's alone, he's kind of manic because he's very he can like ah you know scream and like mm-hmm. there's a few moments where he like goes kind of crazy but um yeah just very insane i don't know it's it's crazy like it's it's an insane performance but the movie itself is very intriguing uh riz ahmed is uh he, he's interesting in this <laughs> as uh his, he's basically the uh jake gyllenhaal's um uh assistant at first and then he kind of moves up and does more as time goes on but um, their their relationship is super interesting, and again, kind of the lengths that Jake Gyllenhaal goes uh, in this as well uh, with with their relationship and his manipulation of people is insane. Jake Gyllenhaal, um, the way the way that they they have him manipulate certain people uh, is is it's dark at times. So, but yeah, no, it's it's it is a really good movie, really well acted. Um, interesting how they shot Los Angeles in this too. 
um, they they made Los Angeles, you know, part of like the you know essential part of the story and a character in this in a way, um, where I mean the, he was because it's all based in Los Angeles and he's finding different accidents and things like that. Um, they really make a, a, a point to uh, include Los Angeles and and like very detailed places that he's going. So um, they made that a big part of it. But yeah, all around, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I it's one that I always wanted to watch but just never clicked on when it was on Netflix and stuff. So. Uh, good recommendation. Good. I'm glad. I, yeah, I knew you'd like Hall in this. And you made an interesting point, too, because when this came out, I was not aware he could do this shit. Um, mm-hmm. But since then, you know, you've seen him in, like, Nocturnal Animals. Um, he's pretty crazy in uh, in Spider-Man Far From Home, even. Um, but uh, you've seen him do more intense acting since this. Um, uh-huh. So if it's not your first exposure to it, it's not going to catch you as off guard as it did me. But he is intense in this. I remember doing this... Um, right after, I remember putting this on your list right after you would watch Zodiac. And there's a lot of similarities between the two characters. They're so determined and so intense and Mm -hmm. they're willing to really kind of do whatever it takes to get, you know, what they want in either case. There's a scene uh, right near the end of this movie where he has an interaction with Riz Ahmed that like is so, like everything Mm -hmm. you need to know about this guy you learn in three seconds of this interaction that he has with, yep. with the Rizomed character. And it leaves you just so grossed out by him. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that like, you don't like the protagonist, you don't root for him necessarily. Um, but it is a really interesting one. And I remember watching it. I, I watched it while I was living on your couch. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember why you weren't there, but I watched it at home and I was like, God, oh, this movie's disgusting. Like not in, not in like a gory saw way, but it's like, that guy is gross. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, but it's good. Hall's good. And I, I knew you'd like it primarily because of his performance. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to give you something a little more fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's occurred to me that, uh, my interpretation of what you enjoy is, is very melancholy. Um, let me see here. I'm debating between two. Okay, we're going to try this. I know this one's a, this is a little bit of a risk. Um, I don't know if you're going to dig Uh-oh. it as much, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you Burn After Reading. You haven't seen this, have you? Okay, no. Okay, so this is the Coen Brothers. Um, so really excellent shit. I know you, you've you seen like, um, oh, they just did Buster Scruggs last year, and I know you enjoyed parts <laughs> yeah. of that. Um, uh, but you haven't seen a lot of Coen Brothers. You've maybe seen The Big Lebowski Kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's another one on my list for you. I'll have you watch that a little later. So Burn After Reading, it's a Coen Brothers movie, but it also is playing a little bit against type for Coen Brothers movies. Um, to me, it's very hilarious, but it's pretty dry comedy. It moves kind of slow, but it's well done. The actors are really good. So you're going to want to be in a mood for this. Like, get ready to laugh at a, a few goofy things. Um, but uh, it's super well made because it's the Coens. And the writing is pretty funny and interesting. So I'll be really interested to see whether or not you respond to this like I do, because I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a blast. I watch it every now and then. A uh, lot of really good, really good, funny, memorable scenes in this. So I'm going to give you that one. If you don't like it, then I'll steer you in another direction uh, as far as Coen's go. But I want to I want to get you a li- little bit more into the Coen Brothers filmography. <laughs> so Seth will either be watching Burn After Reading or what are your other four choices right now? Silence of the Lambs, V for Vendetta, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Thoroughbreds. Oh, those are all good shit. I, you know what? When I went to watch, uh, when I went to watch Tully last week, 
uh, I did. I had a DVD, and one of the one of the trailers for it was um, was Thoroughbreds. Which now that I say I th- that, I think I, I think, said last uh, week on the podcast. You you one hundred percent said that last week. <laughs> I'll just keep repeating it every week until you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, a pretty good list there. I will be reviewing a film for next week's show, and I have the choices: uh, Toy Story three, Call Me by Your Name, Fighting with My Family, Good Time and young adult. So a pretty good list for both of us here. Every week you can tune in and listen to Seth and I review a movie we haven't seen before from back in the past uh, as part of this segment. Um, Oh, and before I leave it, I forgot, I almost, I almost forgot to say, uh, burn after reading. You just made the list. I like it. I already have your next movie uh, queued up to, there was, there was one I was going to give you, but I didn't want to give you something so intense. So Uh uh, after this week, I, uh, there's a list at the top of my queue that I really want you to watch and it's available on streaming right now. So I will, uh, I will be putting, putting one up there in a couple weeks here that I'm excited about. It's dude. Where's my car? Yeah. Well, don't spoil anything. Okay. Um, I've seen that. <laughs> Good try. All right. Well, we move from the already released Nightcrawler from, I think 14, if I remember the year. Yes. Uh, very yes. good film. Let's talk about a couple movies that came out in 2019. We got to get into this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, we had a we had a big movie weekend, a couple big releases. Um, we didn't get to everything this weekend, uh, but we did get to uh, to some of the more intriguing looking ones, uh, some of the ones with some Oscar buzz, some high reviews. And uh, you saw two movies, and I or sorry, you saw three. Uh, and I only saw one, so I'm going to make you go first uh, with one of them that I didn't see. Okay, I'm going to start with one that'll be short and simple. Um, <laughs> that sound, I sounded like superhuman. <laughs> Gigolos <laughs> and gigolettes. Don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> whoop whoop. Um, no. Uh, good, I saw The Good Liar with Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Um, Ian McKellen is a, a con artist. Real old dude, obviously, because, you know, look at him. And uh, he he uh, encounters Helen Mirren, who on a dating app um, uh, at his at his ripe old age, uh, both are widowed, and uh, she he finds out she has lots of money. And so while he's running uh, these cons, he's also going to con her into taking her money. And so uh, that's it. That's the main plot. Um, there's some twists and turns here. Um, con artist movie uh, with two legendary actors. This movie must <laughs> yes. be incredible, Seth. <laughs> so, um, just take some, you know, some twists and turns and thing and things like that. I mean, there's some really unearned twists and turns here in this movie. I'll leave it at that. Um, I, some things. I mean, really, the only thing I liked about the movie is I did like Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. They they had some fun chemistry, especially in their moments where they're you know, in a relationship or whatever. Um, they were funny, and there's some laughs and things like that. Um, the thing that this movie was not good about was that like the twists and turns that they have just didn't really, like I said, weren't earned. Um, they, there's nothing that really hints at it prior in the movie. Um, there, the major turn in the movie, uh, is completely out of left field. Um, it basically the motivation behind why, there is some sort of revenge in the movie is, is just completely like, what, <laughs> where, where did this come from? And why is it a thing? Um, it, it, and it's like bad taste. It's like bad. It's not tasteful the, the way they do it. 
Um, I I also say that. Uh, what was I gonna say? I forgot now. <laughs> God damn it! I lost my train of thought. You were saying that it's your favorite movie of the year. It's not definitely not my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> um, fuck. Anyway, it's just I. I just it just it it's not like the meal bad where it's like. You know, it, like it just comes, it's coming out of a, a bad place. Like, I get what they were going for, and I think it's even based off of a book. But I just think, like, the 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 way they the, the way they executed it was was awful. Where I was going with my point before is that tonally, it's all over the place as well. So, like, like I mentioned, there's some laughs and things like that. There's like a rom com in here. Then there's like a crime movie where Ian McKellen's killing some people, and then it gets into the serious drama at the end. So it's like just all over the place, and None of it makes sense. <laughs> like it, it just, it, it just. I did not like this movie at all. It, I thought it was very poorly made and and didn't really land where they wanted it to land. I would not recommend this movie at all. That's a bummer. Like, because I, I, I knew, I knew from ahead of time that you didn't like this. But you, you think you see a movie with these two actors and you're like, oh, this must be good. Like they, they, they don't take a lot of scripts. You know, they're only presented with the best shit. They're obviously great actors. But something was lost in translation here, apparently, because uh, you didn't enjoy it, and I don't think the reviews are crazy high, even besides you. Um, so this seems like a big, big swing and a miss for for these two guys, which is which is unfortunate. All right, so a swing and a miss for the Good Liar. Um, we got two more. Now you saw both of these. One of them is the one I also saw. Which do you want to go with that one, or do you want to go with the other one next? I'll just go with the other one next because I'm gonna gush about the one we both saw. <laughs> I so. thought you might. Okay. Um. So yeah, the other one I saw, the highly, um, highly reviewed and and had been a lot in the news lately because it is a foreign film and that's Parasite, uh, the Korean film. Everyone's been talking about raving about. Um, finally, had a chance to see it in this area at the theater I went to. Uh, they were making a big deal about it. They're like, "This you're the only. This is our only theater in the area that that has this. You have to drive to Des Moines or uh, Chicago to see it. So you're lucky to see it here." And I'm like. All right, you know, calm down. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, it, it was sold out though, which is really interesting. That uh, really, you know, that they be it, yeah, it's getting a ton of buzz and and uh, you know, it was it was interesting that it got got sold out because <laughs> that never happens at this theater. Um, but yeah, so Parasite, Korean Korean film. Basically, I mentioned con artists with uh, with uh, the Good Liar, but this that's what this is too. Um, this family is. Basically, they're a group of con artists that starts off where um, you see they're living in like this really crappy, um, almost like a basement. Uh, There's this drunk guy that keeps like peeing by their house every night when he's hammered and stuff. So like just a very gross, um, super, super low class neighborhood um, that they're living in. And and they even like at a point, um, there's a fumigation coming around for like the neighborhood and they leave their window open to try and kill the bugs in their house. Like that's how bad their situation is. And so uh, they, the son, so there's, it's the mom and dad and then son and daughter and the son, um, in this, he is presented with an opportunity to tutor, uh, for a, um, teen, teenage girl, um, for super rich family, like super, super wealthy. And so, um, he kind of, he fakes his way through, like he needed to be, um, needed to be. Uh, have a have a degree and stuff in order to work for this family. So he fakes a, a degree and fakes his his knowledge and stuff like that to to get this job. And so 
through there, he's able to kind of maneuver his family into getting positions with the with this family. So that's kind of where the con, con artist angle kind of comes into play. So I'll leave it at that because this, there's some weird twists and turns and some uh, interesting ways that that it plays out. But the movie as a as a whole, um, I is is pretty it's pretty incredible um, what what they do because it is a very it's like a genre jump of a movie. It's kind of interesting. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's kind of scary at times. Um, there's some gore involved. It's it's pretty crazy. So, um, it, it's it, and they, it's a movie that they they talk about. Basically, the the theme of this is kind of like class, social class, and and you know how, um, uh, basically just like different. Uh, I don't know. It, portraying different levels of society. Like they're they're clearly meant to be the the low class of society, and this family they work for is a high class of society, and like how the the low class society you know kind of almost feeds off of the 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 crumbs of that the the high class has stuff like that just and then you know how how low class you know could um i don't know i'll actually leave it that that out because that could be a spoiler but anyway but um a lot of themes a lot of stuff running throughout here um very uh very good performances all around i mean i don't know these actors but i'll they're the the places they go in terms of having to be con artists and things like that it does translate very well over the screen and and it's it it's good good performances and then obviously the directing bon bon june bon, bon ho i think his name is yep he's done a couple uh he did snowpiercer um it's that i think this is probably his most known um american film i i would guess but he's done a couple of uh like kind of crazy out there movies and this is definitely one of them too um, but some good emotional pe- beats as well. Um, a lot of clear messages, and I thought some really poignant men- messages that that work for today. So I, I can see why people love this movie. I did really enjoy it. Go some cl- crazy places, and and uh, you know scratch that independent vibe that that itch that I was looking for. But uh, also you know had uh, had a lot of very clear messages that that I think were were uh, well done. So would recommend it. It's not playing in a lot of places as my theater. You know boasted about mm-hmm. but uh you know it's if you can if you can check it out do uh it's definitely going to be a uh foreign foreign language oscar film for sure um and potentially even you know i've seen some people say it could be a, a best picture nominee so really um we'll see i yeah i i'd be interesting i think i i'd bet at least bong joon ho will be di- nominated for directing uh it's, it seems like it's easier for foreign language directors to get nominated for best director um, we've seen that a c- past couple years with like the Cold War director was nominated, mm-hmm. and obviously like Quaron last year and stuff too. So um, that I think would be a lot more likely. So we'll see though. Um, I, I did I did really enjoy it and, and thought it was super well done. So another another foreign one, and the thing that I'm always concerned with is how I'm whether or not I'm really going to be able to take in everything I'm supposed to with having because you had to read subtitles here, right? So was that an issue for all i mean you mentioned how good the performances were even in korean so it can't have been too mm-hmm. much of a hurdle for you no i mean and the thing is i mean they make fun of it and and like you know uh the dubbed movies with people moving their mouths but kind of as true is like um a lot of the stuff that was coming on you know, on the screen i have time to read before they were done because it was they were you know the sentences were taking longer with, with mm-hmm. the, the way the language translates so um even then i was able to kind of quick read and then look back up on the screen to see what's going on or whatever so yeah no that 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 was never an issue that was even less of an issue than like uh pain and glory was that was a little bit more fast and complex to go through so um this this one was even more of a easier time to kind of go through 
Yeah, Spanish can be especially tough. Um, I don't think that I have Parasite in my theater. They may have they may have already played it, may have already come and gone. But Yeah, I bet so. Yeah, but um, this is one that I'm intrigued. And if it gets a nomination, I'll, I'll be sure to circle back around to it. Because, yeah, I love the, you know, we, we had Us earlier this year uh, that was dealing with kind of some classism uh, elements. So uh, you're right, uh, poignant, uh, timely. And uh, it sounds like all the reviews I've heard have been sterling. So... Uh, Parasite is one you may need to wait until VOD to check out, uh, but highly reviewed from Seth. Certainly better than The Good Liar. Um, let's go to <laughs> another movie here. You and I both saw this one, Seth. It was the big release of the weekend, won the weekend, I think 31 million. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari. So we have Matt Damon, we have Christian Bale. Matt Damon. And they are trying to build a race car that will beat Ferrari in the 24 Hours of Le Mans race. When, do you know when this is set? <laughs> 60s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, I don't want to take any of your thunder, so I will just say I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, yeah. You go ahead and I'll follow you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you said, based on the story of um, the, the Le Mans, I think it's, did they say Le Mans? I thought, it was, I thought they just straight up said Le Mans. It might be Le Mans. I don't know how to say uh-huh. it. It's fucking French. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. all the all all of the all of the uh, people that are in the movie are like country Americans, so I doubt yeah. they're saying it right. But it's L E M A N S. I think it's Le Mans. I want to say. Yeah. But yeah, that's, famous, so that, pretty famous French race. That's the title of the movie in in uh, the UK. It's Le Mans sixty six. Oh no shit. Yeah, they had to make it fucking Ford v Ferrari in America for people to go, <laughs> but uh, it worked people went he <laughs> made like 30 million dollars this weekend yep. so um no so yeah the, basically it's a story there um matt damon is is carol shelby um i think i mean i'd heard of the shelby gt before mm-hmm. and and i'm not a big car guy so i think he's pretty well known but uh former racer he had to quit due to health reasons and so uh he is now like basically you know he builds fast cars and, and sells them to people who you know mostly like chumps who uh, need to prove that they have big wings. So, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but he makes a lot of money doing that. And so, um, Ford is losing a lot of money at the time, and and they they need to find they need to find a way to um, get back into prominence. And and uh, Lee Iacocca, I think his name yep. is, is uh, God. I remember a lot about this. this is I, clearly I love this movie. Um, who's played by John Bernthal. Uh, proposes getting into racing which is uh owned by ferrari at the time they won a bunch of le mans in in a row and matt damon actually had won that well not matt damon but carol shelby had uh a long time prior so before he had to quit and so they forward approaches um shelby to create that car and matt damon shelby he he has a great racer now in christian bale uh Ken Miles. God, I remember a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they um, give you the names he, often in this. So it, it, it is it is a bit they easier do. than some movies to keep track of who's who. And it's important because yeah. they're all just rich white dudes in suits for the most part. Right. So you got to know who, who you're watching. And they do a good job of, of, of uh, keeping you on track. Right. So, but Ken Miles, um, he's a great racer and he, you know, works on the cars and everything like that. He, uh, Shelby, had, he recruits him in. So that's, that's where... Um, kind of the setup of the movie goes into and, and goes into, you know, the, obviously the, the, the exciting part of the movie is getting into the racing and the, and what has to go on there for them to get to the Le Mans where, um, you know, the, the, 
the event happen where Ford and Ferrari really truly face off. And so, uh, you know, they, they come together and battle over their mother's name's Martha. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, so I, I loved this movie from start to finish. It's a two and a half hour movie and it flew by. Uh, it, it, it has a pace that does not stop from the beginning. Um, but it's, I mean, it's really funny, really funny movie, um, especially around, um, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, their, their relationship is, is great. I mean, Shelby is just one of those dry, wise cracking, like people, you know, he'll just throw a stinger at someone, mm-hmm. you know, like he's just very, he's very funny and quick. Um, and then their, the relationship between, between Miles and, and, uh, Shelby is, is what really makes the movie go. I think for me anyway, in terms of the, the, the relationships and, and emotional beats of the movie. Um, but uh, so I mean, it's funny. There's some really emotional beats in the movie, especially towards the end. The driving is like you're, it it you feel it oh in your seat, God. especially if a, a theater with good sound. <laughs> yeah, like and you're just sitting there like, because they they make this the driving like unpredictable and exciting and like super tense. So and there's the Le Mans is a 24 hour race, and there's a there's they do Daytona race, which is also 24 hours. So when they show these races. Uh, that Christian Bale is in, it's like you're just stuck in it forever mm-hmm. because it's such a long race, and so and there's just multiple intense driving scenes within the the races, and so it's it's super intense, and you're just kind of sitting there, and you have to sit there until he gets out of the car, and the, the between you know the the way they shoot it, uh, along with the the sound design with just the, the, the you know like what's going on in the car, and um, and then you also have some funny moments of Christian Bale, some of his funnier stuff is when he's in the car um you know reacting to stuff that's going on and and you know talking trash to other drivers and stuff and uh so that that's great um some of the shots of this movie the way they use light in the movie mm-hmm. um is is awesome um and then just the driving itself in terms of like even when they're not like racing but like there's scenes where um shelby is flying down like highways and stuff and and they're driving like main like just even that stuff is shot well like the the whole thing is is shot perfectly um james mangold is is a great director i you know i didn't love logan but you, one thing you can't say about the movie is it you know it's it's directed well so you can't say it's not well directed um i just didn't like some of the story in there but <laughs> anyway yeah i uh i love this movie it's 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 up there for me for this year um for for one of my top favorite movies it i loved it every second of it i i love this movie yeah i i don't blame you um, this is everything that I hoped it would be. You know, you get you get you know super great actors. Mangold is a good director, uh, and they nailed it. I, I was talking earlier about the post and how like the standard like any given boring moment of the post to me is like elevated above most movies. Um, this is that, but like plus ten, like plus ten across the board. Like statistics to each of this each each characteristic of this movie was incredibly well done. The biggest thing, and you touched on it, is the sound. Because I watched this in IMAX, and holy fucking balls, dude. Like, <laughs> and I, you and I are not, we're not car guys. We don't care right. about the horsepower. We don't care about racing whatsoever. But it's really hard not to give a shit about racing when you can fucking feel your seat vibrating. And they ramp up the tension every single time that they need it. Like, and then uh, what's even more fun, too, is Christian Bale. Uh, he was my favorite part of this movie because when he's driving, yep. he's talking to himself uh, yep. from his car like as though he were talking to the other drivers. And that was hilarious to me at every point. Um, this was 
super, super great. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, again, is, you know, he's, he's, he's Carol Shelby, so he's a superstar by this point in his life, but he just mm-hmm. looks, he moves around the world like an average dude. And the fact that Matt Damon can play average dude pisses me <laughs> off so much. <laughs> but, uh, but he does it, and he just, he's so endearing every step of the way. Um, they even go to an interesting, um, they do an interesting thing here, you know, for a movie that's got Ford in the title, uh, they don't just give you, look how great Ford is, you know, they, they have mm-hmm. some clashes a little bit with the brass, uh, the top brass at Ford. Yep. That's a really interesting part of this movie too, um, where, you know, the enemy in this movie isn't always Ferrari, uh, and, right. and going through the actual, not just the race, but getting there and getting everything the way that it needs to be and, and getting, you know, everything situated. Um, that stuff was really interesting. So it's like they take a break from the driving to show you all the steps they had to go through to get, you know, to, to get some small detail of the car in place. And that's supposed to be the boring part of a movie. But even that was so engaging that like there's you're right. There's not a boring second in this movie. It flies by it over two mm-hmm. and a half um, and it's just a rush. Like the whole, it made me want to go. I was like, what am I missing? Is this what I'm missing in racing movies? And maybe I need to go watch a bunch of them. Cause I was fucking, <laughs> you, I texted you afterwards and you, you were saying, dude, like if you're like me, you sped out of the fucking parking lot <laughs> and I almost ripped my shifter out of my car, <laughs> putting it into drive when I got out of here. Cause I was like, I dare someone to try to fucking pass me. Um, this was, yeah, top to bottom. Everyone in this was perfect. Every supporting ca- cast member, uh, score, cinematography, script, acting. This is this is a ten, dude. Like, uh, it's gonna be now. Is it my favorite movie of the year? Probably not. Um, there are a couple of movies I enjoyed more, but like on a technical basis, this might be the best made movie that I've seen this year. Uh, maybe that's recency bias, but it's at least in in contention. Uh, this this yeah. to me seems like the first definitely nominated for best picture movie that I can come up with for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had, um, and I know like a lot of people f- last year, uh, I, I guess have since kind of rescinded their, their thoughts about the movie, but I still loved it, which is green book. I had a same, I had a similar feeling walking out of this one as I did green book. Like I, you know, it's a movie that still makes you feel good, even though like, you know, it's, it's, there's still some downer moments and stuff. It still makes you feel good. And you know, you, you, you can walk out with a smile and everything too. Mm-hmm. So um, I forgot to mention too. One of the other uh, big things I loved about this movie is the relationship between Christian Bale and his wife yeah. in the movie. And I can't remember <laughs> who plays her, um, but she she's great. Uh, whoever plays her, I can't remember, but um, she's great, and their their relationship is great. And you can tell like they were really going for like uh, the strong woman behind you know the man type thing with her, and I thought it worked really well. And uh, they they did a good job with that too. But yeah, overall, I mean. Walked out of this one just like that. That that was great. I loved every second of that movie, and I, I haven't loved a movie like that in in a while. So I I'm very happy with this one. Yeah, it, fe- it felt to me like the launch truly of award season for me. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. it's late November. I went to this, and I was like, oh shit, it's Oscar time. Um, that actress, I want to make sure we catch her. She's Irish. Uh, Catriona Balfi is her name. Um, okay. And you've heard of her because um, she's looks like she does a lot of TV. And she's been nominated for Golden Globes and Emmys um, recently here. So um, let's see. In 2019, she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Um, Let's see. What was her? 
Outlander. Yeah, she's one of the leads in Outlander um, and has been nominated for that. So this is a she's an all star actor. And you're right. She she's kind of like um, again, I'm going to compare it to Green Book. Like all the speeches that they made about Green Book afterwards were like that. um, Oh, my God. Was it Janine Garofalo that played the uh, the wife? of i think that was linda cardellini linda cardellini i always get them mixed up yeah linda cardellini they always said like she's the heart and soul of this movie even though she's not in it very often uh and i think the same of of miss balfi here uh, who plays ken miles's Mm -hmm. wife it's like always when he goes back to her those are like the 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 heart filling moments um in the Mm -hmm. movie and it gives you it really sets you know and he's got his kid and uh, that part, the part of Miles and his family was maybe the part I liked the most other than the driving though. Cause that driving is fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah. This was a really, really good one, man. Um, it's not super common that you and I agree on like 10 out of 10 loving a movie. Um, but this yeah. is, this is an example of one of those. So definitely listeners of this show should get out ASAP Rocky and see Ford V Ferrari. Cause it's, <laughs> it's so, so fucking good. Yeah. Oof. It's, it's been, you know, I went to the dentist today. Um, and so my mouth is sore from having it open for so long, but it's even more sore from blowing that movie for the last 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) but that's okay. It it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. Um, man. Yeah. Those guys were great. Multiple nominations, I think coming out of that movie for sure. So Ford v. Ferrari is a must see also parasite. Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, but skip the good liar. And uh, that's the week. And, and I know what you guys are saying out there. What about Charlie's Angels? Um, the, nobody went to that, including us. So we don't have a review. <laughs> I may catch it this next week um, and review it for the show, but but we shall see. Um, but a big movie. Go check out Jared's review. Yeah, there you go. Go check out Jared's review over on the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. And uh, you might learn all you need to know about Charlie's Angels. Uh, this coming weekend, though, is uh, is a big one. So we already mentioned we have A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, the Tom Hanks movie is coming out. And then the other big release, um, help me out here, is... 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges with Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I, I'll probably end up trying to see that. Frozen 2. Um, not likely that Seth and I will see that. Um, we're just not big Frozen fans. Didn't see the first. So uh, you may need to go over to... At Jared Buckendall. For his review. Um, but also, you and I are both hoping to make early screenings of Knives Out, the new Ryan Johnson uh, whodunit, as he puts it. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a review for that in the coming week as well. And Seth, you, you're, you're, uh, you're getting the chance to see another advanced screening uh, of a movie I know you're pretty stoked about. Yep. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. No. Um... <laughs> Uh, the Irishman. I'll be seeing that with at Jared Buckendall. There you go. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to hit that um, this weekend. So excited to to check that one out and be in the theater for four hours. Yep. There. Yeah. That's a wear a diaper. That's going to be a long one. Uh, so big big movie reviews uh, coming out next week and way ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> it seems uh, it seems like we're in that season. So a lot of reviews, hopefully, of a lot of really ass good movies. Season. It's ass eaten season. <laughs> So uh, everyone get out your dental dams and um, <laughs> and we're going to eat some ass for these next six weeks while everyone's, <laughs> everyone's trying to get out these Oscar movies. So we're going to see them all. We'll review them. And uh, you, can, you can catch it all right here. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right. A couple loves and a hate here this week. Uh, and with our reviews behind us, we're almost to the end of the show. But before we finish up, we got to leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more. 
more thing. So my one more thing uh, was actually prompted by something we talked about last week, um, and it was it was Doctor Sleep. So I, I reviewed Doctor Sleep last week, and they did something really interesting in here that I really enjoyed and want to see more of. Um, and I may be in the minority here. I usually am, but the the thing they did in Doctor Sleep that I really enjoyed. So they cut back to a lot of scenes uh, from the first Shining movie in Doctor Sleep. Uh, they they completely re-showed you a couple entire scenes. And then they also showed you a couple of the characters from the first movie like shortly after the first movie. And when they did all of that, uh, they didn't do like trick CG with existing footage. They didn't de-age any actors. They just recast them. And so you watch scenes from The Shining with just recast actors in there uh, that fit more into the continuity of Dr. Sleep. And for some people that might've been confusing, but I, I really liked it. I, I, and you never see that happen anymore. You never see a recasting. It's always trick photography in order to have the actual person in there. And to the extent that we're even putting dead actors back into shit, like in, in Rogue One. And, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but after seeing it in Dr. Sleep and, and knowing that it, I didn't get confused and it wasn't distracting and it's certainly not as distracting as some of the CG de-aging stuff can be. Like, I wish more movies would just just eat the budget, save yourself a few million dollars, and just recast an actor for a scene like that. Just cast someone else. I understand who the cast members are. Even in, like, a reboot, or if they go to do, you know, fuck, if they, if they go make a sequel to... Um, and in a movie where you would need to get an old-ass actor to be de-aged, just recast him. I think it's not that bad. There are other good actors. I don't think it's that bad. Um, and I don't know, Seth, where you stand on the digital de-aging and, you know, like we saw some trick photography, uh, from the shining, you know, in, in like ready player one, where do you land on this? Cause I'm a fan of just recast it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't, doesn't matter. (laughs) I I don't really have an opinion either way. I think, you know, the, the, doesn't bother me for the the de-aging and stuff. It doesn't really bother me with the CGI, you know, all that. But, um, you know, if they, if it's easier to recast than recast, for me, it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. I'm, I, I have to admit I'm being selfish here because I want to play Miles Morales in the live action movie about him. And I'm afraid they're just going to de-age Donald Glover to do it. So it's going to cost me a job. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I stand by it. Recast instead of digitize. That's what I fucking say. Well, that's fun. <laughs> I know I, I talk about this this a lot for my one more thing, but God damn it, I, I'm really entertained by hot ones. And uh, <laughs> and uh, th- this week they had uh, Kristen Stewart on, who I've not really been a big fan of in the past. Um, and I think that's really more where the hot ones things is is going. I'm, they're just making me a fan on everyone because like Shia LaBeouf, I was never you know a huge fan, and and uh, you know he 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 uh, he turned a corner with me and I, I I did like him more. Same thing with Kristen Stewart. She seemed um, kind of like way more, uh, she always seemed like very uptight and like, eh, like a, like a, <laughs> someone who didn't ever want to see the light of day before. She just <laughs> wanted to be left alone. Like and a, she actually like a seemed, vampire. Yeah, there you go. And so, uh, <laughs> and uh, she used to drink a lot of blood and, and hated garlic on her spaghetti. So, um, well, that's wrong. Anyway, not the blood drinking. Yeah, exactly. Garlic goes on spaghetti. Damn it. Yeah, so does blood. And but uh, <laughs> but uh, in this, like, she seems to, to be like way more just kind of like 
relaxed, I guess. Like, she's still kind of weird, but she's not as, like, like uptight. She's a little more loose, I guess. And I don't know. She seen, I, I liked her way more. And, like, she was funny. Um, she actually made me want to kind of go see the Charlie's Angels movie uh, before I cancel my ticket to play Star Wars. Um <laughs> But, but uh, you know, I, I liked her. I, I thought she was a cool person. So, I don't know. I think Hot Ones, like, I always tend to go, like, away from shows. Like, pod, like if there's someone on a podcast that I don't... Like, if Kristen Stewart would have been on, like, Dax Shepard's podcast, which I listen to a lot, I wouldn't listen to it because, like, I don't care about her. But, like, Hot Ones, for whatever reason, is, like, they do it... Like, e- even if they're still a douche, at least they're, like, in pain eating hot stuff. <laughs> so, I... I I can at least like tolerate like that's funny to watch people like freak out about how hot their mouth is. So and we've done it before. Like we can relate. That's what I know. was gonna say we, is I don't I don't get the same joy I used to out of that because I know how it feels now. And like when I was running around that apartment going <laughs> like I that that's a painful. So I don't get as much joy out. I mean it's still pretty fun if someone you really don't like yeah. is doing it. But uh, uh-huh. ha- having been through it changes your fucking perspective, man. I mean, it's true, but it also makes me laugh when I see someone <laughs> stupid going through it. But, like, Nick Offerman was on a couple weeks ago or, like, maybe maybe like a week ago before the Kristen Stewart thing. And, and like, um, I like him a lot. And I liked him even more after because he's, like, super real funny dude. And I think that's, like, maybe – because you can actually see in that show when, when someone like Kristen Stewart's on. And as she's getting more and more wings, like, she's trying to answer questions through the pain in her mouth. So there's less of, like, a filter. So there's just, like – you can see them like thinking through stuff, but like just kind of spitting stuff out and they're trying not to die, but they're also trying to answer a question. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can see that the thought, even like the thoughts go through their head and the way they answer the questions, the cadence of it is like, there's way less of a guard. Like you can just tell it's way more, they're giving real answers, which is so cool. Like it's a weird thought experiment, almost like, almost like torture, <laughs> you know, in a way, like when people are tortured, they're going to give the real answer. Same thing here, but less torture and more hot wings. <laughs> That makes it sound really fiendish, but uh, that is precisely, I think, why they do it that way. So, yeah, uh, Hot Ones continues to be a favorite for Seth. Even just thinking about it makes my mouth hurt. So that's <laughs> that's pretty intense. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Honey Boy is getting a very limited release this weekend. Um, I'm I'm so fucking excited. That's maybe other than Star Wars, maybe my most anticipated movie for the rest of this year can't wait to see it i i don't know that i'll get a chance to it's getting i did some searches it's not coming around you this weekend either i, I looked in your area seth but no I, I know it's it's not coming here until december 6th oh you are getting in december i'm hoping i get it then because i that movie i cannot cannot wait to see the labeouf cannot cannot the labeouf is on uh shia labeouf is back but it's on it's on <laughs> oh my gosh well uh what did we have we had hot ones and uh we had just recast them this weekend, one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Oh, not my best work with the sounder there. It wasn't as smooth as it typically is. But Yeah, uh, you suck. Oh, well. Well, hey, that's going to do it for episode 121 of the SoCo Show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you may be listening so you get new episodes of this show every Thursday. And also the sports show. Nude episodes? What did I say? Nude episodes. I mean, well, they're all nude, aren't they? Are you not naked? <laughs> uh, I only have one sock on. It's my left. Oh, that's perfect because... I really like feet. So. <laughs> okay. You redeemed yourself with that one. <laughs> I had to get back on my Smooth Sounders track. Um, make sure you're subscribed everywhere, guys. Uh, head on over to the Anchor page 
which you can link to in the description box and uh, check out the page. Be a contributor if you like. You can give monthly to help us uh, help us make the show even better. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mike V, Jared B, and Fuck You for being our <laughs> for being our contributors so far. If you want to be a contributor, head over to Anchor. Uh, if you can't or don't want to be a contributor, that's okay too. Just keep clicking on these episodes and sharing them with your friends. That helps out a long way as well. Uh, also, leave us a voicemail if you want to hear your voice on the SoCo Show on our mail. <laughs> your voice in our mail. Uh, I think that's it. I think I think that's about it. We said all the stuff. Don't forget to hit up the sponsors. Bye. Everything is in. Not damn it! I forgot my catchphrase. Seth, give me a second. <laughs> Holy cow! Um, we'll be back in seven days. Catchphrase. Lots of good movie reviews coming out next week. So uh, make sure that you're here to listen to those. Uh, and and we'll be back to do them. So he is Seth Ott. I am Coco Rabbit, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Make clunky.